happen. Father, we just come to you, Lord, this morning, this evening, Lord. We just want to come, Father, and we just pray, Father, you speak to us once again, Lord. Your word says, do not stop gathering. When you see the day approaching, you told us these are all labor pains, signifying that day, Father. So we just want to, every opportunity we get, we just want to come to you, come together, because you have promised us when we come together, you will be in our midst. We know you are here. And you are the teacher, Lord. You are the one who speaks. You are the one who gives understanding. You are the one who opens eyes. You are the one who closes eyes. You are the one who changes and renews minds. So it's to you we come, Lord. Teach us, Lord. Teach us. Speak to us, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. So we now we have the word also up there, so you can. We've, on Sunday we, we looked at that one verse, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. <coughs> you can hear me at the back, right? Yeah? Hebrews 11 and verse 6, uh, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Okay, so there are three aspects of it we looked. Anyone who comes to God must believe, must believe. And God says all things are possible to him who believes. So we have to grow in our faith, more in our trust and believing God. Okay, so one of the reasons we gather for the hearing of the word is faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. You believe more and more, you trust God more and more. Second thing we looked over there is a rewarder of those who seek him. So we have that expectation also. Why have you come here? Because we are seeking him. And how do you seek him? You seek him through what he has spoken. So we are seeking him and that he will reward all those who seek him. Temporary, eternal, different levels of if uh, different levels of rewarding and then we saw the third one which is that it is impossible to please God without faith that we can actually please God so these three are motivations all three are motivations and all three are needed okay we need to grow in our faith our belief trust our hope of glory our reward eternal reward keeps on increasing as we grow in faith we realize okay to the point Paul will, at the end of his life, he's able to see his crown. Okay, his, that is reward. That's the reward. So there is a reward also attached. But as we also grow in the knowledge of God, we also want, ultimately all you want to do is to please him. Thy will be done. I just want to please you, Lord. So today we are going to look at another familiar scripture. Okay, that's Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. <clears throat> One and two, actually, but one. One and two. <clears throat> Romans chapter one onwards all the way to eleven is the Holy Spirit through his servant Paul giving you a step by step by step arguments about every category of human beings. Every category, starting with chapter 1 onwards, the general world, the unbelieving world, the reprobate world, the Jewish world, the Gentile world that believes. It's like systematic theology. Romans 1 till 11. <clears throat> and then, <clears throat> when we look at that 11 chapters and see that exceeding grace and mercy of God towards us who believe. Towards us who believe. Paul is saying through the Holy Spirit, then 
This is our reasonable response. If you look at the first 11 chapters, how God is dealing with all kinds of humanity. And we are a set of people who have received incredible mercy and grace from God. Salvation itself is entirely the work of God. He says, this is your response. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Okay? Now, what he's actually saying is interesting, right? He says, I beseech you. Another translation will use, I urge you. I appeal to you. I beseech you. I urge you. I appeal. Basically, God speaking through a person. The question is, why should God beseech? Why can't he command? I beseech you. I urge you. I appeal to you. Imagine God speaking through a servant to us saying, I beseech you. I appeal to you. I urge you. You know why he does it? Why does he appeal to us? Why does he urge us? It's because the power of choice God has given us. You know, you know why we are all sitting over here? Because God gave us the power to choose to come or not to come. Now that you all have come, he's still giving us the choice to listen or not to listen. Okay? Because we have come, some have come out of their free will. Some people, their free will is in boxes, so they have, that box has come here. Yeah, okay. So, but, you know, the choice is there. Okay. God has given us the freedom to choose. And ultimately, our choices, we have heard it over and over again. We have to keep hearing it over and over again. We will ultimately what our choices we make. We are the sum total of our choices. They can make us or destroy us. But to make choices, right choices, you and I all know, you and I need knowledge. Without knowledge, you cannot make, like, you know, a lot of people, like now, everybody is flooded with information about coronavirus. Yeah, coronavirus. Why? Because you need knowledge to make the right choices that you do not die. Okay? Choices. So everywhere you are, you are plastered with information how to avoid this. Okay, how you can safeguard and it's simple things like you will hear in so many of these things doctors and talking about actually I heard in Sky News from a reporter who actually is saying that you know when you go on escalators don't do your hands stand. Okay, because that's an automatic automatic response is there, but you do not know who all has touched there. Okay. Second, when you are opening a door, use your elbow, don't use your hand. Okay, use your back to open the door, public places. And he's talking about using your knuckles to press the elevator button in a public place. Now that you don't see everywhere, but that's a very simple, practical, because it's from your hand to mouth to nose, the contamination goes. And all of you who are absolutely happy that you got 20-20 vision and no glasses, remember, it contaminates, comes through the eyes too. So blessed are those who have glasses. Okay, so okay, well, listen to this. Okay. So, right. Perspective, like I said, perspective changes. Everything in situations, you know, there is nothing static about this. It changes. So we need knowledge to make right choices. The power to choose is God's nature. We saw that, no? God's nature. And he passed that gift 
gift of choice to mankind. It's fantastic, okay? But to make choices that will matter in life, that is temporal and eternal, we need knowledge. Beyond what we get in the world, like all of you came back from school, college, you received a lot of knowledge, which is only pertaining to this life. Only pertaining. Knowledge is important. You want to succeed in this life, you need that knowledge. So knowledge, search of knowledge to succeed in this life will be a sign of the last days. In Daniel chapter 12 and verse 4, this is what Daniel says. It says, but you Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. You know, run and fro is like basically right, right today. Yeah, right today. Uh, run, running back and through is on the net. If you watch my laptop, we will, and Pastor Vidya and all, we'll, we'll have 15 tabs opened. We are running back and forth, back and forth, gathering information. Okay, that's what people do, running back and forth for knowledge. Okay, that's why we tell you to study hard, to be focused, don't waste time, because how you acquire knowledge will matter in this life. Okay, it also gives you more power and autonomy. Autonomy means freedom to make quality choices in life. Later. Can make a lot of, lot of, like, you know, why is Pastor Rich, uh, Dr. Richard sitting over here? Cool. Because he made choices. So he is deciding, okay, I want to work a day shift or a night shift. Do I want this job or I don't want it to go to this hospital? Why? He made qualitative choices. So now with those degrees under his belt, he has autonomy to make choices others cannot make. Others cannot make. Okay, you need to realize these choices, and these choices are made when you are young. Okay, God is there. He covers your weakness, your mistakes, and all those things. Okay, but I am saying when you are young, be careful about the choices you make. But ultimately, it does not matter how successful you are in this world. At the end of it is death. That is where spiritual knowledge comes. Okay, there is a knowledge in this world. You can be incredibly successful, but death will take it all away. Nobody has gone to heaven with his shirt on his back. Okay, so that's where spiritual knowledge comes. Jesus put it this way. Very well, we know Luke chapter 12, verse 16 to 19. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. That means you are unbelievably successful in your career. Modern translation, applying to our time. Unbelievably successful in your career. Like we have these elections for the democratic candidate for the president taking place, okay? And it's all about money, how much money we can put in advertisement. And this one guy who's put in almost half a billion dollars. Okay. And he only got five uh, votes, I think, altogether, delegates. So they're saying he spent 78 million per delegate. But he's worth 60 billion. So it makes nothing to him. It means nothing. Like in, like Bernie, they were talking about advertisement for California. Digital advertisement. Bernie Sanders put in $4,000. That's all he put in. Bloomberg put 78 million. 
calculate 78 million and 4,002 candidates in the same field. Why? Because he was very successful when he was young. He made his money. He made his money. And he said, it's my money. I will throw it the way I want to do it. And God allows you to do that. You're successful. It's your money. Spend it the way you want. But, and he thought within himself saying, what shall I do? What am I going to do with this money? I have no lockers. Lockers are all full. What am I going to do? No room to store my crops. He said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns, build greater, and I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. He's incredibly successful because of the choices he made with the knowledge he learned about this life. But the problem is in verse 20, this is what Jesus says. He says, you fool. God said to him, fool. This night, your soul will be required of you. God's response is that you had incredible knowledge to succeed in this world, but when it comes to the next one, you are a fool. You didn't make choices connected with that. You did not make a choice. Okay? So be very, very careful in your choices. You should leave the eternal out of the temporal. temporal. Ultimately, all our success will mean nothing. Will mean nothing. Will mean nothing. You know, Adam and Eve made a wrong choice. And with them, all of humanity fell. But remember, even though all mankind fell in Adam and Eve, God did not take the gift of choice from us. He did not take it away. He only restricted our ability to choose in one area, that is, you see in Genesis chapter 3, verses 22 to 24. Other than that, he gave them the freedom to choose. Then the Lord said, Behold, man has become like one of us to know good and evil. Now lest he put out his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. And verse 24 says, He drove out the man and he placed cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to God, the way to the tree of life. He took one choice away. You cannot choose to live forever. That choice we don't have. You can make many choices in life. But one choice, which you had earlier, before the fall, the tree was there, you could have gone and eaten it. You did not. I told you you can eat from every tree. I only told you not eat from this tree. So this tree also was there, but you did not choose then to eat of this tree. Thank God we didn't. Because we had eaten of this tree and then eaten of this tree, then we would have been like the devil condemned for hell forever. Because you know the knowledge of ill and you have eternal life and you need to go to hell. So he didn't eat it. So we are lucky. Okay, so one choice was not given. Every other choice was still open. Okay? So please remember... Eternal life has eluded man... From that day. And death is a dead end. So we still exercise the freedom to choose. Freedom to choose. Okay. Now that is why Jesus calls his word life. Calls his word life. He doesn't call it just knowledge or wisdom. Then all word is equal. No, his word is not knowledge and wisdom alone. It is life. It's not just knowledge and wisdom. Then again, when it comes to choices, okay? Choices differ according to age. 
most of you sitting over here are young. Anybody under 40 should be considered young. Above 40, you are in the middle ages. No, middle aged. Okay, not middle ages. <laughs> okay. In a way, middle aged. Middle ages, we, we are old fashioned in our thinking. That's what you young guys think. Let us look at what the word of God tells about young people. The choices you make. We turn to the book of Ecclesiastic chapter 11 and verse 9. Okay. Oh, rejoice young man in your youth. What should young people do? Be happy. Be happy. Don't walk around with long faces. This is the only age you can be really happy without tension. No burdens on your shoulder. Okay? In your youth. Let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes. We'll leave the second part later. Okay? So God says, young people, be happy when you are young. Okay? Let your heart give you choice. This is actually a very general statement about youth life when you are young. We call this a carefree life. You don't have to worry. Worries are taken by others. You just enjoy life. Okay? Because youth is a gift from God. When you are a child, you want to be a youth. And when you are old, you want to look back at your young days. So scripture says, heart and eyes. Can follow your heart, follow your eyes. So the question is, what makes youth different from others? Book of Proverbs, the same Solomon, God will use to answer in 20 and verse 25. The glory of young men is their strength. See, the glory of old men and the glory of young men are different. The glory of old men is the gray hair. Not means white hair is basically wisdom acquired through time. But the glory of youth is what? It's the strength. Okay, so when you have strength, God says as a young person, you can choose to follow the way, whatever catches your eye, and whatever catches your heart, because you've got strength. Okay? Which, whatever catches my eye and my heart, I cannot follow, because I do not have the strength. You, I looks, yes, I want to play cricket. Ten minutes later, you want to get back to your room. I would love football. That's what I grew up on. Five minutes later, you know what? You want to just sit down and forget this game was never invented. Okay. Follow your eyes. Follow your heart. Because why? The glory of youth is strength. So when you are young, many things catch your eyes and many things catch your heart and you have the strength. But this is also where the gift of choice really matters. Because most of the choices which will matter in life are made between 15 to 30 years. And after that you are just reaping the consequences of the choices you made. Almost all choices that pertain to life are made between those years, 15 to 30. Therefore, one needs to be very, very careful in your youth, the choices you make, because you've got a lot of strength. You can do a lot of things others cannot do. You can, you have strength, you can follow the desires of your heart, your eyes, follow your eyes, the desires of your heart, but when you go back to Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and verse 9, there is a warning. 
And in the sight of your eyes, but know that for all this, God will bring you into judgment. The glory of youth is strength. You can follow your, walk in the ways of your heart. And in the sight of your eyes, all good. But remember, consequences are there. For all these things, God will bring thee into judgment. So when you are young, you need to be very, very careful what your eyes see and what your heart follows. You need to choose whether you are going to give what your heart desires. And Solomon is actually writing this from his own experience. You know from Sunday's message, he was he became king when he was very young. We don't actually, I don't know how old he was, but he must have been a very young man when he was king. First, he made a very good choice as a young man. We saw that. We will read that again. First Kings chapter 3. Now, O Lord, my God, you made your servant king instead of my father David, but I'm a little child. He says, I'm a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. I mean, I don't know how to make decisions. In English, old days, English, Western English, you had a term for that. I'm, I'm green behind my ears, wet behind my ears. Basically meaning I don't even know how to take a good shower. When you are small, your mother will catch you and wash behind your ears. You just come out like that. Meaning you don't even know how to shower. You think you know everything, but actually you hardly know anything. And he is acknowledging it before God. I'm just a child. I don't know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, he makes a choice. He asks for a prayer, a request. Give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. What is he asking? He says, give me the discernment when I choose. I need to know what is good and what is evil. That's what he's asking. He says, as a young man, you know, everything may look good, but may not be good. Some good may look evil, but may not be evil. Lord, please give me the discernment to know between good and evil. And you know what scripture says? God was pleased with his prayer. His first prayer as a very young person, as a youth is, Lord, give me the discernment between good and evil. You know, that should be the prayer of every young person. Lord, give me to discern between good and evil. Why? Because when Adam and Eve ate of that tree, it became part of our consciousness. We live in two light zone. Good and evil is mixed and mashed and made it into one whole mass in our brain. It's there. Good and evil is there. In everybody. Cannot escape it. That's the Adamic nature. He ate from the tree of good, knowledge of good and evil. Now, we cannot escape it. It's there. It's in your DNA. What do we need? We need discernment to differentiate between these two. And please remember, only God can give you it. Only God can separate darkness and light, good and evil. We can't by ourselves. We cannot by ourselves. So do we have the freedom to choose? Yes. Do you have the strength to pursue what your eye likes and your heart desires? Yes. But God will bring it all to judgment. So Solomon, as a young person, is asking, Lord, give me the discernment to choose 
good and evil. But there was, God was pleased with his prayer, but there was a problem with his prayer. The problem, he says, you know what? I need the discernment for others. To judge your people, not to judge myself. And you see, he did not use his wisdom to judge himself until the end of his life. And if you look at it, he actually does that. You look at Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 10 and 11. Whatever my eyes decide, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure. My eye and ear, I just went after it. For my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my reward from all my labor. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had done on the labor in which I had toiled. Indeed, all was vanity, grasping for wind. There was no profit under the sun. When it came to himself, he did not use that discernment. So, people will always talk about the incredible wisdom of Solomon because every judgment he made for people was wise. He had discernment how to. And people came from far away to hear about his wisdom. But he came to personal choices. No, that's the mistake we all make. Personal. We are very good about judging others and sometimes our judgment is perfect. You are wrong. We make stupid decisions for ourselves. So, young people choose wisely. Young people, older people, remake your choices. Choices. The first choice is always the most important choice. The first and the most important choice you need to make. Deuteronomy 30 verse 19. God will put it across this way through your servant. I call heaven and earth as witness toward today against you. That I have said before you life and death, blessing and curses. Therefore, choose life. It's many things. He is not saying choose blessings. He is not saying. He says choose life. What is the first thing he says? First decision. Maybe the most important decision you make in life. Lord, every advertisement is about life. So verse 20 qualifies what life. 20. Next verse. Okay. TV 20? Okay. Verse yes, no? Same. Uh, chapter 20. The Lord your God that you may obey, cling to him for? Uh, so how do I choose God? He is yours. So the first and the foremost you can ever make sing God. But the problem is there are sorts. What do you say I have chosen God? God qualifies it for gospel according to John chapter 1. In him was life. Who is that? Jesus. That's why Jesus said the truth and the life. In him was life. And that life was the light of man. Okay, first decision. You and I, we choose Jesus. When you choose us, we choose his life, we choose light. And discernment starts. Discernment starts. Sex. How you and I, as a young person, Jesus. Jesus. Luke chapter 14, verse 25 on. Multitudes him. If anyone comes to him, not hate his father, children, brothers, sisters. Yes, his own life. He and who does not bear his cross and come after me, be my disciple. Okay? Jesus 25. Are people following him. Great multitudes went with him. Crowds turning back. Crowds that followed him. I think Jesus says, anyone crowd. There is no commitment. 
come anytime you want, anytime. I mean, I was an exception because we all know each other and we'll ask you late, why didn't you come day? And okay. But if you are in a larger church, you may you want. Even if you don't come, nobody will know. You can leave when you want. Like, like in big churches where I have preached, I have seen people coming at the time of benediction and go straight downstairs for coffee. Okay. What he is saying is that it's very easy to follow him in a crowd. And much of the church is a crowd. I'm not talking about our church, but much of the church is a crowd. So the question Jesus is saying is that, is that you have chosen Christ for life, for salvation. And after that, how are you following him? Your second choice. How are you following? Are you part of the crowd? Okay. So the title of today's message is, Do you fit in or stand out? Okay. 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 And he says, you have to step out from the crowd. You have to stand out in that crowd. Okay. And when you stand out in that crowd, you see, in the culture he was living in, any man who carried his cross was standing apart from the crowd. He's never part of the crowd. Just pick up your cross. The minute you pick up your cross, you're not part of the crowd. Or you're only part of a crowd who are all carrying their crosses. Like, no, Jesus was taken. Two others were also crucified. So maybe three were taken together in the procession. Sometimes Romans um, crucified hundreds of people. The whole crowd was separate and different crowd was there. The crowd carrying the cross and the crowd not carrying the cross. Okay. Jacob had 11 sons. Let's leave Benjamin out as a kid. Ten were a crowd. One stood apart. And so he had to carry the cross. Okay. We know from Daniel in the King's Academy in Babylon, there were young, smart young men from every nation, including from the Judah. But that was the crowd. But four young men made a choice. And they made a choice when they were young. Against the tide of the crowd. That's why Eclipse 12 and verse 1 will say, Remember your Creator in the days of your youth. In the days of your youth. The problem is, unless you choose, you and I, we all choose, not to be part of the crowd, you will not re- receive the discernment that you and I need. We are talking about good in the spiritual sense. Lord, give me the discernment to know between good and evil. God says, as long as you're in the crowd, you do it. Okay. You don't receive it. If you look at Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, but do not be conformed to this world. I mean, step, please step out of the world. That's a crowd. Step out of the world. And second, he says, it's by the transformation of the renewing of your mind. Is how can your mind be renewed as input? And you understand what said. Jesus speaks in parables. The whole Bible is parable. 
That's why people have for centuries memorized the whole Bible and never got light. The Pharisees knew the whole Bible by heart. And they rejected the light when it was standing right in front of them. And the light went to them. Why? Because Jesus only speaks disciples. And disciples are not part of the crowd. Disciples are who left the crowd. They were once part of the crowd. And they left the crowd to follow him. Remember his response in Matthew chapter 12, verse 10 and 11. He said, Behold, Oh, no, 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 it's not Matthew. Okay. It's 13, not 12. Matthew 13, not 12. Yeah, same verses, Matthew 13. Okay. Yeah. The disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said to them, because it's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. He speaks, you see when the disciples, let us imagine, this, this is the whole thing is a crowd. Under the whole crowd, there are disciples also sitting. But when he speaks to everybody, he speaks to them only in parables, to the crowd and to the disciples. But he gives understanding only to the disciples and not to the crowd. Meaning the two sets of people read the same Bible but come out with two different understanding. That's what he says. He says, not to them. And in verse 12, but whoever has to him more will be given and he will have abundance and whoever does not have even what he has will be taken away from him. People make it into money and that's what what's not talking about. He says your discernment will increase with time. It will increase. It will increase with time. Whoever has more will be given. More will be given. More will be given because to have you left, you became a disciple and you pursue this path of discipleship, your discernment in understanding the word of God to see the seed, it will be completely different. In Matthew chapter 5, we saw that again, who is a disciple who left a crowd, 5 verse 1 and 2. This is one of the first choices you will have to make. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain and when he was seated, his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and taught them. Okay. What does going up a mountain means? He makes the word of God inaccessible. Makes it inaccessible. He just closes your eyes. He just makes it difficult. He went up the mountain. And the crowd, after, if you're part of the crowd, after two readings, I don't understand. You leave it up, because you're not willing to climb the mountain. But the disciples went up to the mountain. And to them, he spoke. So when you are young, what is the glory of youth? Use your strength to follow Jesus. And your eyes and your hearts will change. Your eyes and heart will change. What is the glory of youth? Strength. Turn to 1 John chapter 2 and verse 14. 1 John chapter 2 verse 14. I have written to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you young men because you are strong. strong. Because you are. And what did this set of young men do when they were strong? 
They pursued the word of God. They pursued Christ. They pursued the word. And the word of God abides in you. Abides in you. And therefore you are able to overcome darkness. The wicked one. You are strong. Youth and strength. What did you use your strength? To pursue God. To pursue your, pursue the word. Okay? Romans 12, 1 and 2. By the renewing of your mind. It's the mind matters. Okay? Why it important? Go to Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. Okay? These are all connected with the choices young people make. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We all have minds. There's nobody who is mindless. We all have minds. But our minds are different. Minds are different. Because what we hear, what we read, watch, and what we think are different. That's okay. What we hear, what we see, what we read, Ends up in what we think. Their minds are ultimately we are what we think. We are what? What we think. If you go to Joshua, I did Joshua chapter 1. God told Joshua, verse 5, I am with you. I am with you. Nobody, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. Basically what is God is saying, I'm with you, you are undefeatable. Nobody can defeat you. But, that is God's part. For it to be in Joshua's life, what is Joshua's part? Verse 8. Joshua's part was something else. Meditate upon my word, yeah, verse 8. You shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall be in it day and night, so you may approve according to what all it is. Then you, so three things I said. One, meditate, speak. Meditate, think deeply. Meditate, speak. Okay, love the mind. Okay, young people, meditate, do, speak. You can speak less. Meditate, do, in Philippians 2, uh, sorry, chapter 4, 8, and Colossians 3, and verse 2, finally, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, what are just, whatever things, whatever things are, whatever things are good, if there is any virtue, anything praiseworthy, meditate upon this. Just watch your mind. Watch your mind. Watch your mind. Strength, young men, because the word abides your defeat. Thank you, listen. Okay, okay. Other microphone. One of the big, I'm not a man, TV, or oh, sorry, he is, he is one of the biggest names in modern day fake Christendom. You know, the Wuhan virus and all that, I, I have to address it, right? In everybody's face, right? Everybody's face, right? So I have to address, I, I want you to know one thing. The whole purpose of the devil is to put you in fear. Amen? The devil does not come to church. Does not want you to a normal person. The devil wants you depressed. A depressed person does, does not like to be in public. 
uh, Deepson always stays at home. That's what the devil wants you to end up, you know, in this Wuhan virus and all that. That you are so... Amen. And trust in God. Jesus will be done on earth as it is in heaven. No sickness in heaven. Thy will be done on earth. In my life. In my family's life. Amen. Thy will be done. You need to pray that into your life. Okay. Okay, you heard that, right? Gaga over it. Okay. Now be done on earth as it is in heaven. Will and condition are There is no sickness in heaven. That's a condition. Because the pure holiness of God. People confuse condition. And when people do not understand scripture and do not have discernment, they get so excited start flooding the internet with this. Well, there is no tribulation in heaven. Yet he said through tribulation on earth. He said there is, there is no famine in heaven. He said it is prophesied famine will come. There is no war in heaven. There is war on earth. There is no pestilence in earth. All this was prophesied. But in all they actually say is the will of God. Not separate you from the love of God. Your teaching creates infants who understood the character and the caliber of God. Creates mills, actually. Then you ask a question, is there death in heaven? So all you're confessing, there is no death on earth? You think this guy will not die? Let your will on earth as it is in heaven. As far as I know in heaven there is no death. So it in my life I will not die. I will not die but live and do the works. Of, that's connected with will. It's not I never die. No. I will die after I have fulfilled your will. So David fulfilled God's purpose in his generation and then People confuse with the condition. So this is what happens when you look at something and you don't get and people get excited and jumping and everything and all. Hallelujah, I'm confessing it all my life. You didn't have scripture. Then all the saints who died all these years, they're fools. They never understood. No. There are incidents in heaven. So Paul was an absolute fool because his confession was wrong. There is no execution in heaven. And all the apostles, because you know what, their confession was sadly wrong. Don't get confused with condition and will. That's 
how you because how you process matters what's the will of god the will of god may be for somebody to receive her child from death and yet for the will of god could be somebody to go through death both is there in hebrews 11 is the will of god and the will of god is always good always good look in chapter 1 verses 12 to 14 but i want you to know brothers which happened to me have actually for the furtherance of the gospel you know he said talking about all the trials and trouble and tribulation he went good for the gospel so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. oh but is Christ chained in heaven <laughs> no but is Christ chained on earth yes Christ is chained with every one of his children who is chained he is chained with them when he said i will not leave you nor forsake you so when joseph was sold as a slave christ was sold with him when joseph went to prison christ prison it's that's what is written joseph god was with him his friends went into the fire he went into the fire with him is there fire in heaven see when we don't understand scripture we process it completely we cannot process scripture as infants in philippians chapter 1 and verse 29 and being con 29 no 29 you know got it yeah for it has been granted you on behalf of Christ not only to believe on him but is there suffering in heaven will be done on earth as it is in heaven will for you if from heaven for you on earth to suffer See, that's what I'm talking about. Our processing matters. And we haven't gone to the process of becoming a disciple. We will process what's happening in our life completely wrong. Completely wrong. Completely wrong. This is the basic issue with the word of faith movement because you know what got for in for them got told Joshua you will be successful wherever you go them he all he has to do is meditate and speak he doesn't have to do doesn't have to do Genesis I didn't give it to you Genesis 39 you got 30 let me get the words genesis 39 words 2 and 3 okay the lord was with joseph and he was a prosperous he was in the house of his master the egyptian that's what we believe that joseph was prosperous and he was because he believed right he spoke right as so the lord was with him and the lord made all that He, he, he. God is going to prosper him without working. 
But that's what they want to prosper without working. Then we looked at Joseph's, Jacob's work. And he showed how he worked. You put down. Same 39, 21. And 22. He was with Joseph and showed him mercy, gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the anniversary. This is interesting. And the KJP nice. And the keeper of the prison commits of his hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. Whatsoever they did was the doer of it. Whatsoever they did, he was the doer. You're not seeing his work. Blessing is work. Meditate. Do. The do part we take it away. Because it doesn't suit our flesh. The doing part. And we struggle with that doing part. Children like every today asking for prayer because it's exam time. You'll pray. Well, I'll speak over you blessings. So the question is, did you what you supposed to do? You know, process, scripture matters, really, really matters. What will be, we will be infants. In First Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 20, remember Jesus said, hearing, and second part is understanding. And if you don't understand, the enemy will come and take it away. The brethren, do not be children in Understanding. Children in understanding. Don't be children understanding. Don't be children in understanding. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 17. Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of Will of? Understand what the will of the Lord is. Now let's go to Romans 12 and verse 2. 12 and verse 2. Twelve and verse two. Yeah. Do not be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay? We looked at that part. That you may prove what is the good, acceptable. And now we will use the term acceptable means pleasing. Okay? Good, acceptable or pleasing and the perfect will of God. Basic child level, the will of God is good. Infant level. The will of God is good. Because you can only tell them what is good. You cannot tell them to go to the next level. So when a child who may be 80 years old thinks God is good, it is, means something completely different. Okay, when we are talking about hearing, understanding, 
choices that are being made. Initially, it all looks good. And then you go to the next level, pleasing. Okay. And God is pleased with his son. The son is pleased with the will of God. Okay, so you, he moved from good to pleasing. Come to Hebrews chapter 5. I have given you everything which over there, okay? Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made, okay, now he's not there in good or pleasing. Where is he? Perfect. It's not good, it's not even pleasing. Father, Take this cup away from me. It's neither good nor pleasing, okay, to him. It's not pleasing. If it's pleasing, he will not say take it away. It's not pleasing. But he's now moving into the perfect will of God. Okay, it's moving into the perfect will of God. It's neither good nor pleasing. Once made perfect. He had to drink from that cup. He became the author of salvation for all of us. The source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. So if you go to the garden of Gethsemane, you are not seeing the good will of God or the acceptable will of God. You are seeing the perfect will of God. Okay. So to reach there, you have to make the right choices when you are young. You cannot at this age have made this knowledge of Jesus Christ, know about Jesus Christ and make all terrible choices and then decide when I am old I will have this perfect will of God. It simply doesn't happen. Simply doesn't happen. Okay. So you have to look at these choices in life. And the actual choices in life are all spiritual. They are not temporal. They are all temp- spiritual choices. Daniel is making a spiritual choice. Joseph is making a spiritual choice. Okay. Spiritual choice. The pleasing and good are different. When you are making a pleasing choice, it may not look good at all. But you are doing it because it pleases the other. So, son, yes, father, your brothers have been away for a long time. They have gone to see Shem. Will you go check how they are? It's not really good. Who wants to travel 70 miles on feet for a set of people who doesn't even talk to you? And hate you. And nasty. So it doesn't good. But he looks at and looks at his father and says, It's pleasing to him. It's pleasing to him. It may not be pleasing to me, but it's pleasing to him. A little later he's taken, stripped, thrown into the well. Now it's neither pleasing to him or to his father. But it's perfect for him. It's perfect for him. 
because this is the road he will become the king. It's not pleasing to anybody now. You want to be thrown in a well? You want to be sold as a slave? Stand there on a block and be sold? But you understand that this is... How did Jesus understand the perfect will of God? Through what he suffered and being obedient to it. Not just by what he suffered. We all suffer. But we are not obedient in our suffering. He was obedient to it. Joseph. How do you know Joseph was obedient? Because of the way he worked as a slave. The way he worked. That is why this doing part is so important. Doing part is so important. So, so important. That doing part. Because Joseph did well in his father's house. He got the accolades. He got the coat of many colors. And he had the exalted son. All that freedom he had. But in Potiphar's house... Even if you're exalted, you're only an exalted slave. Okay. The prison, even if you are exalted, you're only an exalted prison. And the part of it, it says that Potiphar put him into which prison? Nobody likes going to the king's prison because there is no facilities better there. There you are dangerous because you never know this king might wake up today and say, okay, that fellow, bring him out and hang him. Other prisons you are safe. You can finish your sentence and get out. The king's prison is very dangerous. It's never written in the Bible somebody who was in some other prison died. It's only those guys who were in the king's prison died. Why? The king is always thinking about this fellow. Is this the fellow who was plotting to kill me? Bring him out and hang him. We only look at one fellow who was restored. We don't look at the other fellow who was hung. But the Bible says in the king's prison, what he did, God was with him. Do you think God would be with him if he didn't do what he was supposed to do? But we want God to be in our exams by just confessing and a prayer without working these eight months. No. I'm not talking about excelling in your studies. I'm talking about the effort you put. Okay, that's what God looks at. If God looks at five little students and IQ levels are different, but the effort is the same. God blesses all five. He blesses their effort. Please don't misunderstand. In the, in the king, in the world, they look at something else. In God's kingdom, that's not what he's, he's looking at how you do your work with integrity. Okay, with honesty and hard work. You're looking at that. Don't confuse it. Your mark sheets mean nothing in heaven. It's how you worked that matters. Okay? So if you look at all of this, 
you realize how you make your choices. The good, the pleasing, the acceptable will of God. Especially when you are young. Because what does young have? Strength. You can do a lot of things we cannot do. But you can do it wrong. If you can do it right, then one day you will be a father who knew God from the beginning. Only young men who are strong will one day become a father who knew God from the beginning. There is nothing called instant becoming a father in the Bible. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. The infant has to become a young man. And you're all young. You're all, you have strength. But the question is, where will you put your strength? And what will you use your strength to pursue? What will you use your strength to pursue? And you're going to pursue the things of the world. It's a temporal end. Anything in the world, doesn't matter how great it is, it's a temporal end. But if you pursue that strength to pursue those are eternal, the it doesn't end. It doesn't end. You know, last words I will give you before I close. Let me go to my regular Bible. Easy to find it. One John. And we shall pray. Got it? One John. Chapter 2 and verse 17. The world and its desires passes, pass away, but the man who does, look at that, look at the construction. The man who does the will of God, he lives forever and his work lives after him. His work doesn't go. The Bible says his works follow him. The one who does the will of God, he lives forever and his works forever. It doesn't go. Scripture says his works follow him. Scripture says your works will be tested by fire. No, Many will come through the fire. Works will be all burned away. But here it says he, he lives forever. Who does the will of God lives forever. That's what scripture is talking about. We only know about one thing Abel did. What is that? He offered a sacrifice by faith. That was the will of God for him. And what does scripture says, even though he's dead? How many dead people do you know who speaks? He still speaks. You cannot detach Abel's that one sacrifice from worship anywhere in the world. Worship is connected with Abel because of one thing he did, which was according to God's will for him. One thing. You can take any worship leader anywhere. You need to have a seminar on worship. You have to start with Abel. Even though he's dead, he speaks. And when God is raising up a set of true believers who will worship God in spirit and truth, you have to go to Abel first. You cannot skirt Abel. It begins with him. Why? Because even though he's dead, he's still Speaks because he lives forever. Lives forever. 
Okay, so get these pictures in life as you are young. Make real choice, qualitative choices. Look at how you process your mind, process. How you process your mind. Do not process with your emotions. Process with the discernment which God used you and then use emotions to empower you. Emotions are good as long as it's a servant and not the master. Let's pray. Father, this evening we just thank you, we just praise you, we just worship you, Lord. Father, we just surrender ourselves, especially the young ones, Lord, here. Let them stand out and not fit in, Lord. We don't want to fit in with the mold of this world. We don't want to conform to the pattern of this world, but by the renewing of your Mahafa mind, by the word of God, Lord, when we know the good, the pleasing, the perfect will of God, we will always stand out, Lord. In our own generation, like your people in scripture, we may never be accepted. But we will stand out in your history. Abel died for his faith. Enoch had to leave everybody and everything for his faith. Noah saw everybody perishing because of his faith. But they stood out. They stood out, Lord. Abraham lived like a stranger in the promised land, dwelling in tents with his sons. Isaac and Jacob, they did not fit in. They did not fit in at all, O Lord, but they stood out. For our sake, in their generation, they did not stand out. But we look back at them and we know they stood out. And they are the examples for all believers. And I pray, Lord, we will have that understanding, the discernment first of good and evil. That a first stage for everyone, Lord, then move to that pleasing. Then one day, reach that perfection in obedience. Be with your church, all your people present, absent, listening online, everybody, Lord. Pray you would cover them by your blood and protect us, Lord. Disease, pestilence, all this stuff are on, but let your will be done in our life. And nobody can thwart your will, Lord. Nobody can. And we are safe only in your will. Only in your will there is safety. That's why his brothers could not destroy Joseph. Potiphar's wife could not destroy Joseph. The horror and the hardship of the prison could not kill him, though it was called a dungeon, because he was in the will of God. Help us to know there's only one safe place on earth. It's in your will, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you. As we continue to pursue, Lord, and make our choices. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.